Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. This is where the book of Philippians, we're into the last and the fourth chapter of this book, and so we're in Philippians chapter four. Now chapter three, he dealt with a, a lot of theology things about do this and how, how this operates and do this, and now he comes to chapter four, and he says some of the great words in scripture here. And so we're going to begin with him saying, remain true to the Lord. Remain true to the Lord. So going through everything of what we believe and what we're about and how we understand things, he he wants them to know, look, here's what you have to do. And notice in verse 1, Philippians chapter 4, therefore, because of what he just wrote, because of what we know, because of how we understand Scripture, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you, long to see you, dear friends, for you're my joy and the crown I receive from my work. You're my joy. And so it's a commitment that every Christian has to make in their life, that no matter what goes on in life, you remain true to God. No matter how hard life gets, no matter how great it might be going, you have to remain true to to the Lord. You make this commitment. You make a commitment to the ways of God. And when the world around you seems to be falling apart, you don't fall apart because God's in control. When you're going through a hard time, you don't bail on God because God will never leave you. And so you have to work at staying true to God. He loves these people. He cares for these people, but he's telling them, look, you need to understand something. You're going to have to stay true to the Lord. And let's be honest, the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, the more important this becomes. Because with so much turmoil and things going on, you and I have to keep persevering and not waver in what we believe. Because the enemy will do everything he can do to get you to question God. He'll do everything. He, is this worth it? Is this really going to play out? Is he going to really take care of you? Is this going to really happen? And so you have to, and I have to, remain true to the Lord. Notice what he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He says, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong and do everything with love. So in other words, and this might be hard for you, if you're going to stay true to the Lord, you will have to work at it. You will have to put effort into it. It will cost you something. And so he, therefore, friends, because of this, I care for you. And notice that word joy. It's a theme throughout this, this book. You're my joy. You're the people I care about. Because you know what? The people you care about You want them to stay true to God. You want them to not give up and to lose hope. You want to encourage them. You want to strengthen them. And that's what he's writing to these people. I care about you. And what I want most of all for you, that no matter what's going on, you always stay true to God. Ephesians 6.10, he puts it this way. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Have you noticed that the devil has a lot of strategies? Boy, he's cunning, isn't he? 
So you've got to stand firm against all of that. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, and after the battle, you will still be standing firm. I wish after the battle wasn't there because there's going to be a battle. There's a fight. And so you have to fight for your walk with God. And that means you have to stay true to God. So he says to them, I want you to remain true to the Lord. You're my joy. I love you. I care for you. I, I want to help you. And here's what I want most of all for you. I want you to stay true to God and to his principles. It's what we want for people we care about. All right? Secondly, resolve your differences. (laughs) Now, suddenly the people understand how this was presented. This letter came from Paul to this church. This church had gathered, and someone's reading this letter. And into the fourth chapter, somebody's probably nodding off. Because what I've learned over the years, it doesn't take long for some of you to nod off. Okay? And so somebody's not even not off. But Paul now suddenly says something that suddenly catches everybody's attention, and now everybody's wide awake. I appeal to Eudota and Seneca, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Ouch. Now, how would you feel like somebody's reading this letter and Paul calls you out? But that's what he does. Look, quit arguing, stop fighting, settle this, fix it, stop it. Pretty strong. And I ask you, my two partner, to help these two women. I hope that's not me. I don't want to get in the middle of two women fighting. So he points to someone else. We're not told who. We, we don't know who he's addressing. They did. We don't. He said, they've worked hard with me in telling others the good news. So we're talking about two good people, right? These people have worked hard with me. These people have been faithful with me. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. They're Christians. Now, isn't that shocking that Christians would fight? Man, I I just, I, I almost can't believe it. But in the middle of this letter, here's two women. They have some kind of disagreement. I don't think it's about theology. They're not ungodly. They have worked hard. They care about God. They care about the church. But yet the whole church is being affected by their disagreement. Do you understand when you don't get along with people in the church, you affect the whole church? You might not think so, but you do. And Paul says, resolve your differences. Because we all know differences don't resolve themselves. And he points somebody and say, look, I want you to make sure this happens. 
So I have to make a decision. Am I going to live in harmony with other people? Now, if you refuse to live in harmony with people of God in the body of Christ, you're in a dangerous place with God. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, remind everyone about these things. Command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Somebody just says the wrong word the wrong way. You get offended. You take it wrong. You think you know what they meant, but you don't. You think you see a whole picture and you don't. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Wow. A little later on in this chapter, again, I say, he he repeats himself. You get the feeling here as he writes these books in the New Testament that these churches were much like the church today where they still had problems getting along with people. People are people, aren't they? Don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Don't do it. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, be patient with difficult people. How many difficult people do you know? Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change these people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. Who's behind the disagreements? Satan. It's one of the things he uses to hinder God's work and to keep people unsettled. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. So you commit yourself to the common ground, not the battleground. You commit yourself to get along. Now, all of us have opinions. Opinions don't have to divide us. It's just an interesting, fascinating passage. You know, they, they just disagree. They're hurting each other and they're hurting the church. They're all Christians. They've been a great help to him in the past. They've worked alongside of him. And then in Ephesians, he writes, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So what do we need to do? We need to forgive other people just like God forgives us. Well, I'll forgive them when they apologize. That's not forgiving. Well, when they recognize I'm right, you're having a disagreement, you're not right. And so he writes to these ladies and says, stop it. That's got to be pretty important, doesn't it? To be in the New Testament, to pull it out like that. Do we understand how critical that is in the church? Unity is something that we fail to grasp how important it is in the body of Christ. It's, it's kind of like an orchestra. In an orchestra, 
you have all these different instruments. They're not all the same. They don't all even play the same notes. But there's one thing they all have to do. They all have to play the same key. Now, I had this brought home to me years ago when I was leading a song service, and it was just me, someone on an organ, and someone on a piano. And I'd chosen some old hymn to sing. I mean, I've sung it all my life. So I had it out there. It was time. I began singing it. And as I began singing it, there's a sudden creepy feeling coming over me going, something's not right here. I don't get it. And as the song went on, it just got worse and worse. And I'm just struggling with, wow, what do I do? And so we sang, finished the verse and the chorus and went on to something else quick. So when I was done, we got home and I asked my wife, I go, what in the world happened? She starts laughing because she thinks it's funny because she could see me squirming. And what had happened is the people on the instruments didn't like the key I had chosen. Because musicians are funky people, you know, that's just a whole, <laughs> you know, I don't want to play that key. I'll play this key over here. I'll play that key. And so, but the problem is, so they went to another key. The problem is they each went to a different key. So they're in one key. I'm in one key and they're in another key. Horrendous noise. So we all have different abilities, different instruments we play. We all play different notes, but we all have the same key. There's one other key thing in the orchestra. You follow the leader. You see, if you choose to go off on your own and do your own thing, you're going to create a train wreck for the group. And we have one leader, and it's Jesus Christ. And when we choose not to follow him and not to do things his way and we do them our way and we think we're better or we think we're right, we're creating conflict and we cannot give a good sound. And so Paul writes to this church, a good church, he loves the church, good people. And he just says to them, stop it. Quit fighting and you, whoever that is, make sure it happens. Pretty intense. And so it's just a fascinating part. That's what he says to him. He says, look, you know, here's these two ladies. They're there. I love you. I care for you. You belong to the Lord. Therefore, you have a responsibility to settle your disagreement. Now, if you don't belong to God, you can hate everybody you want. You can do whatever you want. But if you call yourself a Christian, you don't have a right to do that. All right, we'll, we'll go on. I, any questions? No? Okay. And then he really gets crazy. And he says, always rejoice. Always rejoice. Verse 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Now, we don't have a problem maybe with being joyful. What we have a problem with is that word always. So in other words, at every moment, 
in every day, you and I should be joyful people. We should have joy in our hearts. Because joy is not about perfect circumstances. If it was, none of us could have it. Joy is applying God's power and God's truth to my imperfect circumstances so that I can experience the blessings and the power of God. A Christian should always be joyful. Thus, we talked earlier, joyful giving. You know, joyful in the way we are. Now, that doesn't mean I got to be hilarious, although I think a Christian should be a happy person. Grouchy people aren't attractive. Have you ever noticed that? Just, just my thought. And so many times, the place we have the biggest problem with joy is the place God wants to work on us. Well, I can't have any joy when I'm around them. God wants to work on you, doesn't he? Because as a Christian, I am to be always full of joy. Paul, this isn't the only time he writes this. In Thessalonians 5.16, in 1 Thessalonians, he says, always be joyful. Always be joyful. So that you and I should walk around with a joyful attitude and a heart. We always have reason to rejoice. Well, how can I rejoice when all this is going on in the world and all this is going on? Because you and I don't get our joy from the world. You and I don't get our joy from our circumstances. You and I get our joy because of who we are in Jesus Christ. And as a Christian, I've got a lot to be joyful about. I've got a great future. I've got a present where God is with me and going to help me and take care of me. I've got it. And so there's this joy that is always ours. In Romans, Paul writes these words, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Peace. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Do you have confidence tonight? You should. Do you have joy tonight? You should. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Not a lot of amens after that one, is there? For we know that they help us develop endurance. Now, for some of you short-term memory people, verse 1 was stay firm, stay connected, persevere, don't give up, right? That was verse 1. Now, what's he saying here? They help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Be joyful.
Be joyful. And, oh, I got joy. Okay, for some of you, let your face know it. Okay? Just be joyful. The world's got enough critical people. The world's got enough negative people. Christians are always positive because faith is positive. Faith is not negative. You can't have faith and be negative. You can't have faith and be a pessimist. Chew on that for a while. It'll be okay. And then the last verse here. Remember, the Lord's coming soon. The Lord's coming soon. Remember that. Don't forget it. Notice how he ends up. Verse 5. Let everyone see. (laughs) Okay, there it is. Everyone needs to see it, right? So you need to have it. Your countenance needs to be such. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. That's kind of a little thing to the two ladies. But be gentle. There's a character behind the whole thing. The Lord's going, the time is too short for us to waste time arguing. The time is too short. Life is too short to waste it being grumpy. The Lord is coming soon. And boy, in the last several months, it seems sooner, doesn't it? Time's too short. The Lord is near. Two things with that. First of all, tonight in this place, in next to you, the Lord's near. God is with us. He's near. But we're also nearer to his return. The Lord's near. Because he's near, I need to respond in the correct way. And so give joy in the midst of the turmoil. Get along. Cooperate. Don't spend time arguing and fighting. Too much good needs to be done. Be considerate in everything that you do. The Lord's coming. Think about others and not just yourself. 1 Peter 1.6 Be truly glad. There's that joy again, Right? There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a while, and you know my line, how long is a little while? hundred years or so. It's not my long. The trials will show that your faith is genuine because you're going to stay firm and you're going to stand strong. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, many, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. We live in a day and time when people's trust of God is being put to the test. Do you really trust Him? And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. It's so great, you don't know how to let it out. It's so wonderful, you don't know how to tell everybody about it. It's just in you that is there. 
the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. That's a great passage. The Lord's near. Lord's near. First Thessalonians 4.16 The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And there we will be with the Lord forever. But that's not where it ends. So encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other. Don't go, woe is me. Oh, no, it's horrible. Encourage each other. The Lord's near. And we have much to be encouraged about in the midst of it all. So Paul writes this great passage where he says, look, I want you to come to a place where you understand how much I care for you and how much I love you and you're my joy and everything. Stay true to the Lord and settle your disagreements. Don't be fighting. Don't let that distract you from what's important. Get along with each other. Don't have to have your way. Be willing to serve one another. Think of others as more than yourself. And as you do that, always be full of joy. Because the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming soon. So how are you doing with that? Is there something you need to address? Maybe you haven't had that joy that you need to have. Maybe you haven't had that confidence. Maybe there's a disagreement you need to address. Whatever it might be, do it. Because the Lord's near. The Lord's near. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.